So I'd like to share a few words this morning about the practice of mindfulness. Um, Many of you have practiced a lot uh, before and some of you are newer to practice, so you can just take in whatever feels relevant to you, what feels supportive at this moment. This word, um, mindfulness, is uh, it comes from a Pali word called uh, sati, which, as we all know, is um, integral to the practice of just being here, being mindful, being awake to what's happening. And it's really in the larger context uh, of meditation And I'd say meditation is a bigger uh, fold in the activity of our efforts in what we're doing. Meditation is, comes from the Pali word bhavana. And bhavana has a, has a, a little bit different meaning than meditation. It really means to cultivate, cultivation we think of what we're really doing is we're cultivating our mind and heart. That our minds are filled with lots of different habits. We have, all of us, some good habits of mind, meaning habits that bring a sense of well-being. And then we have a lot of habits of mind that uh, lead us into a sense of agitation, anxiety, contraction, worry, uh, you know, everything that in the Dharma we say is dukkha, suffering, that we suffer. And this is, this is natural. It's part of what is our birthright as being a, a human being. We come into this world and we develop tendencies and habits of mind. And if we don't look after our heart and mind, we're really subject to the various whims of life, the cultural conditioning that we get impacted by, family conditioning, our personal journey through life, and we pick up a lot of different tendencies. And so this orientation is really an understanding that we can cultivate, we can cultivate something, we can cultivate wholesome qualities in this mind, in this moment. And if we're not looking after what's arising, then we're cultivating our, our default, whatever default setting that we have, whatever habits that we've developed so far. So one way of understanding the present moment is something's being cultivated. Some seed is being planted in every moment. And those seeds oftentimes are seeds of forgetfulness, not knowing, seeds of distraction. And the three root causes in the Dharma that we point to are greed, hatred, or aversion, and delusion, confusion. So we don't know the reality of the way things are or we're clinging and holding on to 
our experience or we have a, a general orientation of resisting, pushing away, not liking. And any moment of experience when we begin to understand the nature of our own suffering, when we look at what's happening, we can actually see that there is a cause, that suffering isn't random, joy isn't random, happiness isn't random. This is what's pointed to in this word dharma, means the way things are, the lawfulness of life, that there is lawful things that are happening. So suffering, if suffering were random, there would be nothing for us to do. We wouldn't be able to do, take care of our own personal life and we wouldn't be able to alleviate the suffering in the world. But because through this understanding, which is similar to the understanding of the lawfulness of gravity, for example, these laws are always operating laws of the heart and mind are always operating. And so when we come to a place like this or anytime we are uh, thinking about our practice, we can have this orientation that we're simply cultivating, cultivating the wholesome. And there's some basic qualities that we consider that are wholesome. The ones that we are most familiar with are mindfulness, which is a general being aware and awake to what's happening. Usually we think of stability of mind, concentration, which is the mind that can steady in our experience, become more collected. And a phrase that my teacher, Saito Tejani, oftentimes would say is, awareness alone is not enough. Awareness alone is not enough. So awareness isn't the only quality that is being developed. There is a kind of core piece to the mindfulness. It's what allows us to know experience. And yet, if we are simply being aware without any other information, kind of operating in our mind and using our intelligence, we don't necessarily have the opportunity to gain insights, gain understanding from what we're viewing. Because our normal tendency, whatever it is that's arising, is we take it personally. We have the tendency to claim every experience as happening to me, my fault, I'm no good, this shouldn't be happening. So these are views that cloud the mind and if we try and be aware with the lens of what we'd say is really wrong views, views that tend to exacerbate our clinging, we would say that that's not really right mindfulness yet. That right mindfulness is with our experience and understanding the nature of it. And as we're with, the, with our experience, whatever that is, and this is very simple experiences of the body, the breathing, the hearing, sensations, pleasant, painful, that constantly move through the body, the ordinary experiences of the mind, the thinking, the emotions. Do we want to see this as nature? This is 
bringing in right view into our practice. So we want to have right view in the mind as we're observing. And it's that simple shift of taking what's arising as being our personal responsibility or our personal faults and really beginning to understand that whatever's arising is arising because conditions are there. And we have an opportunity to open to what's arising, this sense of compassionate mindfulness, receiving the moment, and to see it as a natural arising. This is nature, causes and conditions arising. Can I be with this? Is it okay to be with this moment? And our tendency is to immediately, if it's unpleasant, we want to resist it, get rid of it. If it's pleasant, we either forget or we indulge, we get involved in the experience. And if it's somewhere without any extreme, the kind of sense of confusion, delusion tends to be in the mind. We're not clearly awake and knowing what's happening, what's arising. One of the things that often happens in practice um, is our normal tendency is to want to get rid of because we're so so grooved, those mind states are so deeply part of how we live our our moment-to-moment experience. As soon as we try to collect our mindfulness and be with our own experience, the tendency is we start to resist and judge. And that's natural. That's what the mind is naturally going to do. This is where we really see how the quality of effort is a much more relaxed quality than we normally think of. When we hear of right effort in practice, right effort is one of the foundations of the Noble Eightfold Path, the path that we uh, practice in the Dharma. So it's right effort, right mindfulness, right stability of mind or concentration. These qualities are part of our meditation. In effort, my teacher would often say, it's, this is really the place that a lot of these habits of mind show up, the sense of wanting, of striving, of doing, trying to get rid of something, trying to change something. And wise effort is a much more kind of subtle and stable quality. It's much more receptive. And an effort in this case really has a sense of perseverance. Just the continuity, steady continuity, trusting in the building of mindfulness over time. That we're not needing to change our experience, not needing to have it be any different. And we're really trying to just develop this orientation and framework of mind of interest, of being relaxed, and curious, and receptive. And most of our work isn't really in, in battling what's arising, and that these are really the habits of mind that we're going to really start to see just how much we tend to struggle and resist. 
And in the Dharma, what's really pointed to is the essence of our suffering isn't what's arising in the sense of what's being known. The real heart of what we would point to in the Dharma is it's how the mind is relating to experience. That's really the core essence of how our suffering arises. So in any moment of experience, when we have something that's being known, which is usually not very difficult to do, we know something about our experience. That experience oftentimes, if it's unpleasant, we would think of that's what's causing our suffering. And this is really the exploration of the practice to see how is the mind relating to what's arising? What's the attitude in the mind? Is there aversion? Is there a desire to get rid of something? Is the mind involved with the experience? Is it taking it personally? Can we simply recognize the experience as a changing phenomenon that's part of nature? We are part of nature and what arises can arise in this field of knowing this field of receptive allowing. So awareness. Mm. Just for a second, if you're already kind of settled in your experience, just invite you to open your eyes, just to be connected here with me for a moment. So something my teacher would often do at the beginning of a retreat to really try and set the tone of how much effort's required in practice. So right now, I just want to direct your attention to a few different places in the body. Um, so maybe just becoming aware of the sensations in your hands, allowing your attention to be in your hands for a moment. Maybe noticing the temperature and the weight, the touch points. Okay, not doing anything too much, just the gentle mindfulness of the hands. Perhaps noticing the body uh, weight on the ground or on the chair, any touch point there. Okay, now noticing that you're hearing. So you were already hearing the sound of my voice. And now that I mention hearing, and now I'd like to ask you if you are aware that you are seeing. So are you aware that you're seeing? Anyone not feel like they're aware that they're seeing if your eyes are open? And now just ask you, is that hard to be aware that you're seeing? Do you think it was hard? How how hard? When did you become aware that you were seeing? It's almost like that was the first time that I ever was aware of that. Yeah, almost like the first time, yeah. And yet we wake up in the morning and as soon as we open the eyes, seeing is happening. And did most of you become aware that you were seeing when I mentioned seeing? 
And really, how much energy did that take? A lot, very little, almost nothing, right? So I mentioned the word sati, mindfulness. In Pali, the real translation for sati, or one of the ways it's translated is to remember, to simply remember what's happening, which really points to the effortless nature of mindfulness, the effortless nature of being aware. So we are already having experiences. We open the eyes, seeing is happening. Sounds in the room, sounds, we move in the bed, walking through the room, the halls. Hearing is happening. We're not creating that. We're not creating seeing. That quality of mindfulness is remembering what's happening as it's happening. And it's effortless. So when I say, do you know that you're seeing? It's simply, we remember that seeing is happening, even though we may have been living our whole life with sight. Right? The comparison often is made to animals, to like a dog. Who knows the spiritual development of a dog? But most dogs don't seem too highly evolved. Um, but we do know they see, right? And they smell because they'll yank you all over the place as soon as they smell something they want to go for. They drag you around. So they are in the moment and they are really experiencing. They're seeing, they're smelling, they're hearing. The quality of mindfulness is what allows us to recognize in the moment that it's happening. And it shouldn't create tension, shouldn't create stress. So one of the things that I've noticed oftentimes is we'll be sitting for like 45 minutes. Should be 40 minutes and sometimes 45 minutes. <laughs> Which each one of those seconds is like torture if your body's burning. But so then, you know, the bell rings. And usually what happens is everyone goes, oh. Okay, so that, that relaxation, when you hear this bell, and I wish I could just ring the bell all sitting long, but then it would decondition you and you wouldn't have that sense of, ah. Oh. That ah, oh, in some ways, is revealing that extra tension that we tend to meet the moment with. Mindfulness doesn't take tension. We can become aware of it because it's our deeply ingrained habits, but actually being aware can be very relaxed. We don't have to do anything. We're already having experiences. And if I were to tell you right now, stop having your experience, you're all still here. None of us are blipping out of existence. Right? And yet, I don't know, science tells us we're blipping out in and out of existence all the time in terms of quantum realities. But, you know, on a big scale, we're, here we are, we're having experiences. So we're not needing to create anything. We are trying to remember. And we say the real difficulty in practice is that continuity. Remembering without creating tension. Remembering what's happening without creating tension. Tension is naturally going to arise because that's habits. We, we're so deeply accustomed to trying to do something to our experience that we meet it with a lot of extra energy. Right? We're overdoing. So when you just can check on your attitude, you can check and see, is the mind relaxed? Is it simply allowing what's happening? Is the mind interested? 
mind and heart, this kind of general sense of being with our experience? Is it trying to, is it struggling? And this is where finding a posture that allows the body to be relaxed has an impact on the mind, the attitude in the mind. And this is where kind of the art of practice gets more and more refined. Because we say there's nothing to change or to do in our experience, the question often comes up of what am I actually doing then? And there, this is where understanding the role of our intention, the role of what we can do, which is take care of the causes. So the causes that we're really taking care of is to check to see if we're aware. We can work on the attitude of the mind. Is the mind judging what's happening? Is it allowing? Is there a sense of receptivity? And how am I seeing experience? Right view and right attitude are very connected in this sense is because when we have the view in the mind that what we're observing is natural. It's nature. We don't get to choose necessarily what arises in our current moment. We don't choose the emotion, the emotional state, the mind state. We don't even really choose to see. We don't choose to hear. This is really starting to recognize this natural phenomenon that we are. We're part of this stream of just causes and conditions unfolding. And there's a sense of, um, you know, we can direct, we can, we can incline uh, our practice in a wholesome way. This is setting up the causes for understanding to arise, to see how when, when we're meeting a moment with a lot of tension and involvement and clinging, how that leads to suffering. We want to see that. We want to see how when the mind is more receptive and meeting, even if it's something unpleasant like pain in the body, we start to really understand pain is not good and pain is not bad. It's unpleasant. And then we have an idea in the mind that says it's bad and then we start to try and get rid of it. And can we get interested in the nature of pain? Not so the mind gets unbalanced. You know, so the, 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 the real importance of taking care of the balance of the mind. Is the mind balanced? Can it be with what's, what's arising in this moment? So very often, as soon as we start practicing and we close our eyes, our attention goes straight to our biggest trauma. You know, at least for me, like I have these knots and tensions that often arise in my throat, to my, my chest. And it's like I close my eyes and if I'm not being careful in some ways, it's like the magnet of the unpleasantness because the aversion will go straight to that object. And it's really practicing with aversion. I'm not really taking care of what's the attitude in the mind. Can I be with this experience? So first wanting to remind myself, this is simply sensations being known. They're arising in this moment. Can I be with it? And checking the attitude. 
Is there aversion? Is there resistance? And if the mind feels like it can really stay balanced with that experience, then we'd say that's a good object to be aware of. And very often, the very place our attention goes to, if there's something really unpleasant, it's because there's a strong reactivity in the mind. The mind's reacting to that object, and we want to see, is the mind balanced? Can I be with this? You want to really check to remind yourself first of the right view. This is simply happening. It's not me, it's not mine. So we're we're really trying to understand the experience as it's a natural arising because some causes are there. When we have a body, there will be unpleasant sensations, there'll be pleasant sensations. If we keep the body still for long periods, pains will start to come. And we really want to see if the mind is balanced, we can really be with the reality in the moment. And when it starts to get unbalanced, that's something we want to take care of. So we don't want to force our mind into places that feel like it's too difficult to be with. Okay? To just let me just go ahead and um, take a comfortable posture, and we'll do a few minutes together of practicing. So. Recognizing that the posture can be a support for the sense of attention. And recognizing that the present experience of the breath or the body. Perhaps it's the state of mind, agitation or calm. Whatever is obvious for you, this experience is already happening. We can do a simple checking. Is the mind aware? What is it aware of? What's the attitude in the mind? Is there a sense of allowing?
And the practice can be very simple. Even if there's a difficult experience arising or unpleasant, allowing it to be enough that we're aware of what's happening. Now and again, lightly checking to see if the mind is aware. And what's obvious in this moment? What's easy to be aware of? Recognizing that the effort that we can use in the moment is to check on the quality of mind. Is mindfulness still present?
Is there interest? We don't need to change what's happening. We're starting to notice this moment after moment what's presenting itself. It's an opportunity to see our own reactivity, see the nature of, understand the nature of awareness. and growing our understanding as we pay attention. A little bit of time for any questions about the practice so far, any instructions? Yeah. Yeah, so when you said be mindful of your hands or Mm -hmm. of your seat, like that that felt easy just because there was like a point to go to. Mm -hmm. But when you said be mindful of hearing or be mindful of sight. Right. Yes. Or like hearing, I'm like, how would I know whether or not yeah. That yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I've partly because we're so accustomed to um, 
when we see or hear, we, we immediately identify the experience and we forget about the process that's actually happening. So just very ordinary right now. Do you, if I ask you, are you aware that your eyes are open or closed? Like, are you seeing? I'm sure my eyes are open. And seeing is happening. Yeah, so, and then you might start naming everything that you're seeing, which tends to, as we follow the, the concepts, which is why our mindfulness usually gets very weak, when we pay attention exclusively to concepts, that's that quality of, in the Dharma we say it's, it's delusion, that the nature of delusion only knows concepts. It doesn't know the reality of something. And in this case, the reality is that seeing is happening and concepts are happening in the mind. We understand what we're seeing. So the nature of wisdom can know both the experience of seeing, it knows that hearing is happening when it's happening, and it understands contextually the concepts of what we pay attention to. You know, so everyone has, we say like an ordinary person has the, the full range of experiences, seeing, hearing, body sensations, emotions, the, these six sense doors right? So the six sense doors, just to really name them, is the body, body sensations, hearing, seeing, tasting, smelling, and then the subjective experience of the mind, all the emotions, the thoughts. So that constitutes, if we were to name something about our experience, it would either be a sense door or something in the mind, a thought, emotion, something. Um, so, you know, an ordinary person that's walking around already has those. We're using our very ordinary experiences to cultivate our mind, to cultivate mindfulness, to cultivate wisdom. So we need to use some of our intellectual, you know, capacity to think wisely about experience. So we really can see, oh, this is nature. This is doesn't belong to me. Sight doesn't, you know, I don't own sight. It's a process when there's eyes and the working mechanism and there's light, seeing happens. You know, when there's sound, this is simply causes and conditions, hearing happens. And then we, the mindfulness is really remembering, oh, that's what's happening. Just to say the benefit of really developing mindfulness of those sense doors, they're happening all the time. We're always seeing, we're always hearing, we're always getting impacted. And the more that we're developing the continuity of mindfulness, it's like what Matthew was saying about trying to understand a story and we just take a chapter or, or a sentence and then we skip a whole bunch of pages and read another sentence. We don't really start to get clear, a really clear picture of the nature of the mind and the reactivity that is really the source of our, you know, of our suffering, of how we get bound in our experience. And if we really want to understand habits of mind and how we tend to then judge our habits and the whole thing, the more this continuity, which is very relaxed, it's very light, that kind of energy, that kind of practice can be with us all the time. And just add one more thing is, you know, in the beginning of practice, we really do say like, you need more personal effort in the beginning because the, the kind of motor is very cold of mindfulness and you've, we've got to warm it up. So there's a lot more checking to see, is the mind still aware? Because I say like, are you aware that you're seeing? 
And as soon as I say that, usually there's some awareness of seeing, then two seconds later, it, it's gone. You know, but the more we stabilize that and check, that becomes more integrated. And it becomes more natural to the mind. Right? So it's a light touch and, and as much as necessary without creating a proliferation of confusion and doubts like checking too often and asking yourself questions. It's really to monitor for yourself, how much do I need to be present? Sometimes just a drop and then for five minutes, the mind is clear, maybe. Sometimes it's, you know, every five seconds and we just keep, the mind keeps darting around. Yeah, yeah great, thanks for your question. Yes, and is it worthwhile to just hang out with the mind that keeps wanting to ruminate and plan around something? Um, is that partly because you're allowing the mind to go where it, where it wants to? Do you tend to have an object that you're more familiar with? Or just in general, does actually being aware of the mind that's simply wanting to plan and, and ruminate, wondering whether or not that's of benefit? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of just stay with experience because it doesn't have the charge of something exciting or interesting, and it feels like there's a strong pull to let myself get caught up in the planning or the. Right. Yeah, because it doesn't have a lot of charge, it feels like you're easily getting seduced into that um, experience of planning. And um, and that maybe if something were more exciting were happening, that then you would really be right in the middle of the Dharma. Then you would really be getting your job done. <laughs> Is that about kind of where the mind... One one of the interesting things about the Dharma, because everything is Dharma, meaning everything is reality, and because everything is reality everything has the same universal characteristics. Everything has a nature to change. Everything ultimately is unreliable. It's not, you know, going to permanently satisfy our sense of happiness. And nothing really belongs to us. It's not really in our control. And these are the general characteristics that because we don't understand those characteristics, it's said that we suffer. And when we're with our experience in a way that we start to understand, oh, right, this is impermanent. 
and this is change, it's changing and it's not, it's not, it doesn't belong to me. That clinging and being involved with fleeting, changing experiences, when they're painful, will cause me to suffer. And then when they're pleasant and I cling and they change because conditions change, the mind suffers. Which really, you know, that's, that's the invitation of saying that whatever it is that we're observing is a good enough experience. We really can rest right with our experience. Even something like sleepiness, which tends to be, you know, so close to the mind that it's blocking our mindfulness. But as soon as sleepiness itself is not being judged and is simply being observed with interest, that becomes an object of practice. We can be aware of the mind that gets dull when you know how to, when you just remind yourself what's happening, oh, the mind's dull. That's what's being known. And there's clarity of awareness is present and there's a dull mind. But typically we, we sort of lean into the dullness and we forget to check if the mindfulness is still present. And this is one of the things that my teacher always worked with me around was not to overemphasize what's being known, but to also check the quality of the awareness. Is the mind still aware? And you can just ask yourself, is, am I aware? And typically that's, you know, in the beginning that's a little bit harder to feel, is the mind aware? But as soon as we've stopped being aware and then we come back again, that's usually when it stands out of that quality of being mindful. Oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, there's, there's this qualitative feel of being presently knowing something. Okay, so, and then just one more thing about the thoughts and the, that planning mind is to really, you wanting to really know the nature, the process of what's happening and not so much the story. So with thoughts, it's a little bit like going into a movie theater. We're not wanting to just follow the story. You're wanting to be aware that a movie's playing. Right? So just really being mindful, this is thinking, planning, and not leaning into the concepts of the story. Does that make sense? And so as long as you're checking that your mind is still aware, you can do that. But in the beginning, when, the, when that motor is cold, we often say, come to the body or come to the feeling that may be underlying those emotions because it's just a little bit more stable of an experience and it doesn't, you don't get seduced right into the story every time. Right, so anything that you can do to support the continuity of mindfulness, is, that's, that's our job. Okay, just want to still have your question and then we, we'll need to um, stop. Unpleasant experiences, I'm going to have to answer you, pr- you pretty brief because I've already done a couple minutes over. So unpleasant experiences in the body, it's a great place to understand aversion. So you want, it, you want to really open to what's arising as something that's useful. So you can use anything, really anything. And I've used these unpleasant knots in my body to teach me so much about the nature of the mind's reactivity. Because underlying 
what's actually happening is still a wish for this pain to go away. But when you're really looking at the aversion and you make your, bringing interest to the aversion, the resistance, and getting very interested in, in what's happening. Can I be with this? And what happens when there isn't an underlying view that this should change or that it needs to change? And you might just play with it. Like, how would I invite this pain to actually be here? And that's going to reveal these tendencies. And this is what we want to actually understand is these are very deeply ingrained habits of mind that when there's unpleasant, there's, there's aversion. And they're so tied together that we don't even realize that they're different. Slowly, as we actually start to be with the experience, it untangles a bit. We can see that there's aversion and there's the unpleasant. And we can really watch the aversion, reminding ourselves of a view that it's, it's simply what's arising. It's a habit of mind. Can I be with this? So you're changing your attitude to the aversion. And then again, if, it's, if that is staying locked in place, it's better to balance the mind. Let the mindfulness get stronger and then revisit it, not to get rid of anything. And this is really where that uncovering of deep attitudes are, are so relevant. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a good exploration. Um, I have gone a little bit past. So who has jobs at 920? You do. Who else is a 920? 930. 930. Okay. Is it 920 for you? 9.30, okay, so I'll let Matthew just do a few minutes and then we'll close out. Right. Okay. So maybe...